talking about um, quite a few different topics today, um, weight loss, uh, infertility, eating disorders, um, but again, triumph at the end of all of that mm -hmm. stuff. So uh, with that being said, guys, we're going to go ahead and get started. So I'm going to let Trisha kind of take the reins of the conversation here to start. I'm going to have her share, um, you know, where her journey kind of started from point A all the way up until she found MP. So Trisha, why don't you just go ahead and start at the beginning and, and we'll just work our way through this. How much time do we have? <laughs> we got about 30 minutes. Okay. Um, no, I think uh, my journey, I think it's always happened. Like it started in childhood. My, mm -hmm. my, my issues with weight mm -hmm. and things like that has always been there. Mm -hmm. um, I think it stems from an issue with food because I grew up in a household where everyone was on a diet, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and, and everyone was was analyzing what they ate in terms of how they looked. And so I grew up with that mentality about food on what is, you know, food, certain foods are absolutely bad mm -hmm. and certain food, you know, it's, it's this relationship that's super unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And as a child, I remember even in grade school thinking that I needed to lose weight, that I just wasn't enjoying myself as a mm -hmm. child, which is incredibly sad. And so, um, I don't think I had a healthy relationship with food and, until just even a few years ago, which is an incredibly long time. I'm yes, 36. Absolutely. So, um, what started in childhood is just an obsession about what I was eating and how much I was eating turned into college, Trisha, um, mm -hmm. not eating at all. Okay. And so that turned into finding diet pills and, mm -hmm. and trigger. I'm talking a lot of details here. Sorry. Um, turned into me thinking that I could lose weight faster if I took the pills and didn't eat. So I would find myself eating maybe 400, 500 calories a day. Um, there were a couple of times where I passed out. Wow. But I, the thing about it is I got compliments. Mm -hmm. People like, oh my gosh, you look so healthy. Oh my gosh, people gained the freshman 15 and you lost it. Look at you go. Mm -hmm. No one knew what was going on. And so I never got to the point where um, I looked like someone who had an eating disorder, right? So no one, no one questioned it. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, uh, on top of it, I had a lot of issues with my ovaries and cysts and things like that. So the passing out and things, people assumed probably was a hormonal thing. Mm -hmm. And maybe it was my birth control not working or, yeah. you know, just the side effects of a lot of different things. And so I never really got the chance at that age to get the intervention that I needed. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of had to dig myself out of it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if there was a single moment where I was like, okay, this has to change. I think I've always, I always mm -hmm. knew it. Mm -hmm. You know, I always had that feeling that I knew that this wasn't the appropriate way to go about mm -hmm. things, but it was the only thing that I could control right. mm -hmm. and I could keep going with. Which is really insane because, um, now, this is like the first time that we've talked about mm -hmm. this, and um, I will share with you as well that in my younger years, I struggled with bulimia, mm -hmm. and I worked my way out of it too. So a lot of the things that you're saying is like, that was so me, because yeah. I was like, nobody had any idea. My family didn't know. Nobody knew. My friends didn't know. I just, mm -hmm. and I was into fitness at that time, so that was even a double-edged sword, because I was 
not practicing what I was preaching and I was binging and purging and nobody had a clue mm-hmm. and I and I same thing I knew that I'm like this is not the way this is supposed to go yeah. and I similar to your story kind of had to dig my way out of it too so mm-hmm. um, that's a that's a hard road to toe and this is actually uh, the first time I think a lot of people if there's a, a like probably anybody in this group um, I've talked about it. I don't think I've really talked about it with my family or friends or anybody. So this is really the first time I've talked about it. Thank you. I've talked about it with anyone um, because I think a lot of it was I did lose a lot of weight. I lost with these bad habits and this disorder. I lost about 50, 55 pounds in a short amount of time. But when no one sees you because you're in college, no one really, you know. Um, So it was... I don't remember where I was going with that, but I think it was, it was, I didn't look it. Mm-hmm. I still had so much weight to lose mm-hmm. that I was all of a sudden in a normal weight, weight, right. weight range mm-hmm. that a lot of people looked at it as me just being, just Broke not snacking. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And, and they wanted to know my secrets. And then that was, that became the excuse. Oh, I've stopped snacking in between, mm-hmm. you know, I don't keep snacks in my dorm room. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm just eating more vegetables. And mm-hmm. All the things you should do, which you weren't doing, <laughs> which I wasn't doing, right. mm-hmm. um, and then I, um, there were a couple women when I started to realize that this wasn't a healthy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple women that lived in the dorms with me, and they were super into fitness and like, like piles of food on their plate because mm-hmm. the proteins and yep. like the things that you're supposed yeah. to eat. Right. Mm-hmm. So I started hanging out with them a little mm-hmm. bit. And then that was, um, that sort of got me out of the, the starving myself, Mm -hmm. but then that flipped into not working out, but also binging. And I realized later on that I'm a stress eater. And we talked about that during Mm -hmm. my six weeks. Mm -hmm. Like I have some really, 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 really strong binging like Mm -hmm. triggers Mm -hmm. and those, that's doing the six week challenge was one of the ways that I could like, again, it was one of those things I knew what I was doing mm-hmm. and then I knew that it wasn't healthy, mm-hmm. but I did it because I could control it mm-hmm. even though I wasn't right. right. Mm-hmm. So, um, doing the six week challenge was a way for me, I think to finally re-trigger my brain mm-hmm. to be like, okay, this isn't healthy. Mm-hmm. And ultimately it was like, how long ago was that? Like 15 years? It was 15 years of me figuring out how food um, worked in my system. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I can eat ice cream is fine. And knowing how that processes and getting knowledge and how food processes and creates energy and things Mm -hmm. like that. And I'm one of those people that um, when something happens or if I really need to understand something, I like try to gain as much knowledge as Mm -hmm. possible, which leads to infertility. Mm -hmm. Um, That was also the catalyst. I've been dealing with infertility for the better part of a decade, about eight or nine years now. And um, knowing that I was going to have a child, I didn't want Mm -hmm. that child to see me struggle with my weight. Like it was a huge deal and it was- You did when you were a kid. right? And not saying that the women in my family are terrible for that. It's just kind of how, unfortunately, a lot of 
society. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh. So you guys are just tuning in. Um, we're talking to Trisha Miller here. Um, she's talking to us a lot about um, a lot about her journey from early childhood, um, kind of walking into unknowingly an eating disorder and working through that for a good a good for at least half of her life mm -hmm. um and then now we're kind of moving on to her journey through infertility and and working her way kind of out of that rut mm -hmm. and kind of finding the positive side of all of this yeah. stuff so let's talk a little bit more about um finding mpe the infertility you know the surgery that you've gone through mm -hmm. and kind of your your way to triumph through all that stuff. um i've been through six surgeries wow. since i was 21 when i was 21 there was a benign growth um it's called a dermoid cyst which is essentially a benign tumor that grew around my right ovary and it basically encapsulated it so they couldn't they couldn't recover it mm -hmm. So I had um, an ovary removal when I was 21, and ever since then, about like almost like clockwork, about every three years, I have a cyst removed for my left. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not polycystic, I don't have PCOS. Mm -hmm. um, I'm kind of in the category where they don't know what's going on, they just know I get them. Wow. Um, and so that led, excuse me, excuse me, um, that led into, because the loss of the ovary, not necessarily because of that, but because of my chronic cysts, mm -hmm we knew that it was probably going to take a little bit more mm -hmm. for me to get pregnant. We didn't realize it was going to take IVF mm -hmm. at this point. So um, we started, basically started trying, like mm -hmm. the whole trying, like mm -hmm. not, not preventing, but right. not really yeah. actively Purpose trying. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. um, right before we got married, because we didn't think that it was going to happen right away. We didn't realize that it was going to take four years for me to have a successful pregnancy. Mm -hmm. um, and that was about four years ago. Mm -hmm. I got pregnant through IUI, which is interuterine insemination, okay. um, which is, if you don't know, there's IUI and then there's IVF. IUI is just basically giving the swimmers a little extra head start, gotcha. okay. whereas IVF is taking everything out and mm -hmm. a lot more uh, laboratory mm -hmm. endeavor. Right. And so we got pregnant, we were super excited and we hit the 12 week mark, which is after the first trimester, you get into second trimester. After that, the rate of miscarriage goes down to 4%. Right. In first trimester, it's about 80, yep. which a lot of people don't realize. Which is why a lot of people don't usually exactly. tell their, their families or whatever until the 12 week mark exactly. because of the statistics mm -hmm. on the first, how, how uh, critical the first trimester exactly. is. Okay. Exactly, exactly. Um, so we thought we were in that safe zone mm -hmm. uh, and then one night, that happened. So um, we, it was, I was about 17 weeks. I just hit the 17 week mark, and then um, I had a miscarriage, mm -hmm. and it was devastating. Yeah. It was, it was, it caused a lot. I've always dealt with depression, um, but this was the first time I think I was actively diagnosed with it, mm -hmm. and it was, it was a rough. I. I will talk about this to anyone who wants to talk about it. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid to talk about it, but it, because I feel like a lot of times women are put in a position where they they're they're they feel like they can't, mm -hmm. and I don't want that to be the case. Um, so I'm always open if there's somebody who wants to talk about their journey. I mm -hmm. I will always li gladly listen because it was the I. It's a weird club to be a part of. Uh, when you have a pregnancy loss because all of a sudden people that you've known for years mm -hmm. people in your family people that are close friends all of a sudden they realize that they're comfortable and enough it's just coming out of the woodwork mm -hmm. like, like and they're this. like oh this happened yeah. to me too mm -hmm. and 
I can't describe how awful the experience was, but um, what came out of it was me realizing uh, the reason. So I have an incom it's cervical insufficiency, sometimes referred to as incompetent, uh, incompetent cervix. I just say that my cervix is weak and dumb. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I don't necessarily, um, there, they, they, there's no, the, no amount of Kegels in the world is going to help it. Right. It's just how it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the doctors in the hospital said that I was a clear cut case for it. Mm -hmm. And, um, I immediately set out to the internet mm -hmm. to look and I tried to steer clear of like the WebMD where everything mm -hmm. is, I'm going to yeah. die. Right, right. Stuff, yeah. But I wanted to know. Is that what that's called? Yeah, I'm right? like, yeah. I've never heard of <laughs> cervical insufficiency before. So I went to the internet and I immediately started looking up definitions. And it turns out that at the time that this happened, um, one of the top doctors in the country, one of three doctors in the country that did, there's a procedure called trans-abdominal cerclage. Okay. So typically when this sort of thing happens, they can put a cerclage in, which is just basically a stitch. It's a purse stitch on your cervix, so okay. it closes your cervix. Mm -hmm. um, they can do that while you're pregnant, but it's lower on your cervix and it's temporary. And a lot of times, um, many women will be on bed rest for their entire pregnancy. Oh, wow. And they will deliver prematurely. However, if you are diagnosed with it, there is a transabdominal cerclage, which is a permanently placed stitch okay. at the top of the cervix. And um, at the time that this happened to me, one of the top doctors that did this pre-pregnancy was out of the University of Chicago. Oh, wow. And when I learned that, it was one of those situations where I felt like I would just be, it would just be silly for us to not look look forward in this and that that was the plan and that's that's kind of how I battled that hole that I had dived into at the same time was okay how can I how can I make sure that this doesn't happen again or at least from this this reason right um and so taking those steps was what did it for me and it wasn't until and then it was about the mental part mm -hmm. now that I have the physical part taken care of then it was the mental part which therapy mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. mm -hmm. and we still do we still see our grief counselor mm -hmm. um because I knew that once we got pregnant I would need that again yeah absolutely yeah absolutely. so uh, we still see her and mm -hmm. she's amazing um and so do talking to somebody mm -hmm. was a big thing for me mm -hmm. um yeah, that was a lot of me talking. That's okay. So let's talk about how um, weight loss kind of came into that for mm -hmm. you. How getting back into the gym and knowing that, you know, losing weight was a part of being able to get pregnant because of all of the challenges that you face. Mm -hmm. You don't want another challenge on top of all of that stuff. But this challenge is one that you can control. Yeah. You know, this one is the one that's in your control. And yeah. you're the person that kind of is in the driver's seat when it comes to your weight. Mm -hmm. So talk about the weight loss journey for you and kind of the control that you felt in that sense of being able to like control your health. Mm -hmm. Um, it started, it's, it's weird. It started with my sister. My sister is very active, mm -hmm. um, really into health and fitness, but also being mindful of what she eats as far as whole grains, veggies and fruits, not in the same way that I yeah. was in college. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think for me, I always, I know I'm overweight. Mm -hmm. But it was beyond that. It was it was the fact that I couldn't walk up the stairs because my legs ached too much. I would go to bed at the end of the night and every single joint in my body would just hurt. Okay. 
and I just didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. And I knew that part of that, I didn't want to be on medications yet mm -hmm. if, I, if there were things that I could do mm -hmm. to stave that off. Right. So I knew that I needed to do something. Right. And I knew I needed to do something in a healthy, proactive manner. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I found this. I found it through the six-week challenge. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. So now that we know a lot about you, which is great, yes, I think do. I'm hoping that um, <laughs> the people that are watching, I think we kind of lost Facebook there for just a second. I think Marcia might be working on that, but we're still on Instagram. So um, for those of you who are watching, we're sitting here, if you're just tuning in with Trisha Miller, she's one of our members. She's been with us since April of last mm -hmm. year and um, talking a lot about her journey from childhood to growing into an eating disorder to working her way out of that to... Uh, infertility and miscarriage and now working on her weight loss journey and getting back in the saddle of getting pregnant and working towards that yes. so um with that being said let's talk about how how were you able to stay so I know you went and talked about depression and things like that but how were you able to stay so positive throughout your entire life because there's a lot of people in this world that would have just like been done a long yeah. time ago. So talk about, was it your family support? Was it just like your mental clarity? Oh. Talk about the, how you were able to stay positive through totally. all Totally. I put up a good front. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, at the beginning of the point in the miscarriage, it was hard for me to even get out of bed, obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, I don't need to explain that. But um, for me, it was because I needed to, per I just needed to persevere. Mm -hmm. And that's where it started. It was just every day I gave, I told myself, you know what, just get up. Mm -hmm. And if you can get up, then you can take the next step. Right. And then it turned into, you know, my, I have a ridiculously supportive husband. That's awesome. Yeah. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's gush about him for a second. No, Brian is amazing. Mm -hmm. He, anything I set my mind to do. I'm like, okay, this is what I want to try. He's, he'll never tell me no. He's always like, yeah, let's do it. Right. If we can make it work, let's mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. And we have the same goal in mind as being as, as far as our partnership and our mm -hmm. marriage. And so mm -hmm. that also helps. Yep. Um, my family, like my sister, my brother, my mom, they're all kind of my best friends. Mm -hmm. And so, and they all have kids. My brother and my sister now have kids. And okay. so that also helps mm -hmm. because I want to be there for them and I want right, to be absolutely. active for mm -hmm. them. And so knowing that they're there and that I want to be there for them helps me have the clarity of mind mm -hmm. to know that I can get through it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I hope that answered your yeah. question. <laughs> I, think it was, I think what you boils down to is support. Mm -hmm. The people that you surround yourself with and, and the people that you're surrounded with. Trisha's super active with her nephew, by the way. Yes. She's got a really super cute nephew that she's always doing stuff with, mm -hmm. which is awesome. And I, I think have a lot of nephews now in Illinois. <laughs> that's awesome. So there's one uh, time in particular after a parade that she was running around with him after the parade, and I think it was a, a a pretty joyous moment for you just to be able to like run and like that, play and, yes. and do those things without barely even a struggle. And that was, that was one of the coolest things. And I, um, it was after the, was it Labor September, Day? September 5th, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Um, and we had just walked that whole thing mm -hmm. and I had been trying to find them in the crowd. My sister had brought my hunter, uh, my hunter, my nephew Hunter. Um, with in the family and my niece, uh, my new baby niece, Paulina, mm -hmm. and Axel, her boyfriend, just thought I'd name <laughs> drop there. Um, 
no, they were there and we couldn't find each other. And it wasn't until after the parade that we found each other. And then he was all hyped up because I walked in the parade mm -hmm. and I was like, let's, let's race. Mm -hmm. Cause he knows that I go to the gym now and he's all excited and he wants to work out with whenever anybody works out. He always wants to join in. And, um, and so that was fun. And I remember we just did like a sprint race mm -hmm. down a hill yeah. and back up. And I remember I was winded, but I was just like, I could do that again. Right. And mm -hmm. that was, that's when it clicked for me that I was doing something right. Right. I was finally doing it right. right. I and, think that's yeah. the transition for you from being skinny to being strong. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, which you mentioned in yeah. your bio that you sent to us is more of the mindset shift for you is mm -hmm. now like, it's not about me being skinny. It's about me being the healthiest version of myself that I could possibly be. Yeah. Whatever body that ends up looking like. Right. Um, I think, you know, there's so much in society these days still of like you have to look a certain way yep. if you don't have a Kim Kardashian butt then you are mm -hmm. not you don't belong on right. the, the big screen and whatever else and I think that um, coming to MP is the complete opposite of that I think the mantra that is kind of just spread throughout this community is that it's not about what you look like it's about mm -hmm. how you feel mm -hmm. it's about being the best version of yourself that you can possibly be so um, I think a couple of key points that we can take away from this is number one you have to have a good support system oh, anything for sure. that you go through having an amazing support system is like a key mm -hmm. the people around you the people you are the equivalent of the five people that you surround yourself with so if you surround yourself with, with super positive and impactful people it's going to make your life that much better. Number two, um, shifting your mindset, especially if you struggle with, you know, eating disorders and like body image issues and self-confidence. It's a, it's a mindset shift and it's not a quick one. It mm -mm. doesn't happen fast. I mean, case in point, I battled it in like, like true battled it mm -hmm. in college and I'm 36 now right. and I really didn't have that wake up call mm -hmm. until probably last year. Right. Like it is a constant thing and I still have moments where I'm just like, ugh, and I'm like pinching my love handles and I'm, yeah. I'm like, this is gross, but I find myself almost like slapping yourself on the right face, like, that's exactly what I do and I'm like stop it yeah. let's let's take a moment regroup yeah. um having boundaries is also really important so if you have those friends that you love and adore or if you have those family members that you love and adore that are like that with themselves mm -hmm. I find that I have to tell them you know what I think you're beautiful mm -hmm. we need to talk about anything else right. besides that you right don't, you need to go eat a salad or go right. run because you had a piece of ice cream cake right 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 yep. I totally get that I think that again it's about um you can always do that in a very nice and polite way, exactly. but, it's, but it's, you have to be slightly selfish when it comes to those kind mm -hmm. of people. You have to just be like, Hey, like, like you said, I love you and I appreciate you and you're a beautiful human, but like, I can't, like, I don't, I, I really would prefer to talk about something else besides yeah. that. Because at the end of the day, you are a fragile mind mm -hmm. with all of the things that you go through. And especially when it comes to like body image issues and self-confidence issues, you are super fragile for a lot of part of your life. I mean, I still am. Crying out loud, I got dressed the other day and I was crying because I'm like, I don't feel pretty. That uh, happens at least like, once a week. <laughs> it, I mean, it is what it is, but it's like, then you, you're like, no, like I'm beautiful and mm -hmm. the, the skin that I have and God made me the way that he made me and, mm -hmm. and this is the life that I have to live and this is how I'm going to do it. So, um, that's great. I want to talk a little bit about, um, your favorite parts of MP. Okay. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about what you love so much about being here and how it's kind of impacted your life in a positive way. Yeah. Um, I made really good friends. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's really nice to walk through the door of a place 
and be greeted with someone by your name with a smile and then know them as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just, you know, rote memorization of that's who that person Mm -hmm. is. Um, And then just being in class with people that you have things in common with or you just have fun with. Mm -hmm. Like, there's not a class that I go to that I don't know someone. Mm -hmm. And if I don't know someone, I make sure that I do by the end of the class. Um, it's just a fun place to be. And that's also part of why I continued, you know, after the six weeks I joined up because I was like, I've never felt this before. Like at a big box mm-hmm. location, you go there and you're just one of, you're just a key takes wife. Right. Mm-hmm. And here with the group fitness, oh, I knocked my, okay. Um, with like group fitness and being in the same room with friends mm-hmm. and with the coaches who, you know, you get along with so well and everyone's super supportive of one another during class. And it's, it's, that's probably, the camaraderie mm-hmm. is probably my it's hard favorite. To yeah. I think that to your, to testament to you is that it's not like you said, it's not just like they know your name and you know, who you know them on a deeper, deeper mm-hmm. level. Like you've gotten to know them and their yeah. family and their lives and what yeah. they do for work and what their sisters do. And they're starting to invite you to weddings and bachelorette <laughs> parties and brunches. And like mm-hmm. you create these bonds with people that's outside of the gym and they're the people that you can have conversations with that aren't like, Oh, I'm slow fat. Like mm-hmm. you guys all enjoy the same thing and you all lift each other up and, and I think that that's what's great. Yeah, and it's great and it's like when you do have those conversations or you do have those moments where you do share that because I think sometimes we just do. Um, even with the friends I've made here, the MP girls, <laughs> um, <laughs> I we still have those moments but then we can also take it away and be like, oh, I think I'm just going to do an extra day this week right. or we can flip out of that really quickly, mm-hmm. which is really, really nice. Yeah. We don't dwell mm-hmm. on it because mm-hmm. we're all in here for the same reason. Right. Exactly. Yep, exactly. It's, it's a lot of empowerment and mm-hmm. uplifting, and um, especially when you come out of such dark things, mm-hmm. it's always great to find a little light in your life and yeah. like, be able to come in here and like even if you had a really crappy day, just at least feel like a breath of fresh air mm-hmm. when you come in here and you see your friends and you get greeted at the door and you get a great workout and you just have this feeling of euphoria and positivity, which is always nice to have that little, mm-hmm. like I said, breath of fresh air. I think I've posted that once. I think, um, and I don't remember who it was, but they posted about how they were having a really hard time mentally mm-hmm. and with depression and how do they, how do people make it a class? And I, I sort of just said, you show up mm-hmm. and it's such an easy thing to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found that on the days where I have those moments, which I still do, where it's just really hard to get out of bed, mm-hmm. I will still keep my workout mm-hmm. because I feel like even if I had the world's crappiest day outside, mm-hmm. I can come here, work out, mm-hmm. and I may look like a crab working out. I may just mm-hmm. look really <laughs> sullen working out, but I'm working out whatever's going on in my head, and by the end of it, I'm fine. Right. Mm-hmm. And... And knowing that about myself, being able to use exercise as a tool mm-hmm. and as a coping mechanism mm-hmm. to depression and my mental health, mm-hmm. I mean, that works for me. Yeah, absolutely. And so I need to keep that up. <laughs> so if you could give one piece of advice to the people out there who are struggling to just take that first step mm-hmm. into any gym. I'm mm-hmm. not saying here. Yeah. Any, taking that first step into focusing more on themselves and less on everybody else in their life. What yeah. would you say? Oh, geez. Um, I would just say it, it's such an easy thing to say, but I would say show up because if you're interested in something, mm-hmm. 
you show up that first day and if it's not something you you end up liking mm -hmm. that's not there's no harm no foul there um it is the easiest thing to say and the hardest thing to do mm -hmm. and but that is what I told myself. So I guess that's the that's how I kicked myself in the butt, I guess. Mm -hmm. Was I just like, you just have to show up one day. Mm -hmm. And if you show up one day and you want to show up the next day, and then you just keep taking it day by day until all of a sudden it's part of your routine. Right, cool. Um, so with that being said, guys, if there's any questions, let us know. If not, we're going to wrap things up um, with Trisha. Thank you so much. I know that this isn't an easy topic to talk about. It really isn't. Um, mm -hmm. It's a lot of tough topics to talk about. But I think you gave a lot of um, insight, a lot of inspiration, and a lot of motivation to probably so. a lot of people that are watching out there who will watch this. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing for us on these shows is as long as you can touch one person, that's all that matters. Because that's just one more person that can take that next step into whatever issues that they're having and make a positive change for themselves. So if anybody has, I don't know if there's any questions on Instagram or anything like that. We've lost Facebook Live, but that's okay. We'll post the video on, on Facebook so that we can see the interview. But anything else you want to add, Trisha? Anything that you feel like you just, on your chest, you want to share <laughs> in the last 60 seconds? Last 60 seconds. Um, if anybody wants to talk to me about anything, you can. I'm pretty recognizable. I usually am at 5.15 or 6.20 during the week. Um, and friend me on Facebook, message me, whatever. I'm pretty open book mm -hmm. about awesome. stuff like that. And you're Trisha Houston Miller. On I'm Trisha Miller. Trisha Miller Houston. Miller's um, my maiden yes. name. Yeah, so, it's complicated. So Trisha Miller Houston <laughs> on Facebook. You guys can tag in the comments if you guys have questions for her. But if not, we're signing out. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye. Yay. <laughs> Thanks.